1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
0: Mackie and Judd right now. Yeah, Judd was telling me he had some apocalyptic constipation over the holidays. Are you oh, okay? Oh, I'm too fat. I gained too much weight. My jeans barely fit, and I'm
2: not kidding you. Well, I can barely get a button right now. Launching.
0: I wish you the best. Thank you very much. I'm going to you We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the
1: bell? I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's any curse. I've got a. I've got a uh, crystal ball, and I've got a. What is that? A wood spirit hanging in my office. So there's no damn curse.
2: Everything is a little bit different.
1: The game moves a little bit faster. Uh, Mistakes are magnified. So some of the mistakes you get away with during the. During the season, and they're able to pull wins out and things like that, they're magnified
0: when you get into the playoffs, and sometimes you're not going to be able to overcome those mistakes. So, uh, And then, like I said, the game just moves much, much faster. I mean, everybody's fighting for their lives, so uh, that's that's the way it's got to be. Uh, we are back. Well, we've both been back for a couple days. Me on Ventline, you and Collar yesterday morning on New Year's morning. Mm-hmm. We're back together here for the first time since before the holidays and for the first time since the Vikings have clinched a 13-3 and record. Let's dive right into this. What is your ideal scenario? Realistic scenario? Not like, hey, the Titans somehow made it through to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But your ideal realistic playoff scenarios for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh
2: so if I'm a Viking fan, my number one is I want um I want Atlanta to upset the Rams on this this weekend coming up. I want Carolina to what I would consider being an upset of the Saints, and I want Carolina. As a football fan who wants the best game possible... I would love to see Zimmer-McVay Part 2 wow, yeah. or or Zim-Payton Part 2. So as a football fan, I think a Saints or Rams-Vikings matchup here would be great fun to watch. If I'm a Viking fan and I want the best possible path, I want Cam Newton playing
0: here. See, I'm conflicted on with both of those as well because just for entertainment purposes, I'll take it even a step further. I want to see a Mike Zimmer-Bill Belichick chess match. Ooh. So I want to see whatever the NFC path looks like, I would love to see Bill Belichick, Mike Zimmer, two weeks to prepare. There's a lot of coaches that Bill Belichick either psychs out or out coaches. In fact, almost all of them for the last two decades. They psych themselves out. You're right. Sure. I mean, like mm-hmm. Pete Carroll panicking at the end of the Super Bowl or Mike Tomlin and company. They just like t- teams get over amped or over hyped up. I don't think getting psyched out or out coached would be a thing for Mike Zimmer. I think you'd get. If you're the Patriots, you would get the absolute best punch from Zimmer and company, but that's getting way ahead. That's a month from now getting way ahead. I'm with you. If you're rooting for just the easiest, most realistic path, to the Super Bowl, you'd much rather see Atlanta and or Carolina than the Saints or the Rams, despite the fact that two of the most decisive, impressive victories of the year for the Vikings came against the Saints and the Rams, Mm -hmm. right? But to watch the way that Sean McVay and company just take the Seahawks, for instance. I know that the Seahawks were banged up at the end of the year, but the Seahawks beat the Rams early in the year. Actually, that game was in Los Angeles, so the, the Rams yes. lost at home to Seattle. Yes. And then you come back and look at the film a second time. You get to prepare for a team a second time, and the Rams embarrassed the Seahawks, adjusting to what happened in that first game. And again, there were some injuries like Richard Sherman played in the first game. He didn't play in the second game, so it's apples to oranges. But um, despite the fact that the Vikings handled the Saints, handled the Rams, I would also rank those two teams above the the NFC South teams, uh, Atlanta, the other two NFC South teams, mm-hmm. in terms of the fear factor. If,
2: if I'm a Viking fan, uh, I want Carolina one. If I can't get Carolina one, I want the Rams two, and I want the Saints third. I don't want Drew Brees. Drew Brees to me, one, you beat them, but it was week one, and the Saints' identity hadn't been truly established at that point. Two, Drew Brees is the one quarterback, I think, in the conference who could come here And the noise wouldn't necessarily bother him. The Vikings wouldn't bother him a whole lot. Their defense is good enough. So just purely speaking from the best path for uh, for the Vikings to get through to the conference title game, I want Carolina one. I would take the Rams. I think it would be tough, but I I think you could definitely beat them. The Saints are the wild card to me as far as Breeze is the one guy who would come here and have a chance to beat this defense. It wouldn't be simple, but I don't think he would panic. I think Jared Goff might panic a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, and I, back to the Carolina thing. You know, Carolina has looked impressive in a lot of areas. Again, Cam Newton uh, went, went what, 13 for 34 in that game this weekend. He, he, I think Cam Newton at U.S. Bank Stadium, I would welcome that with open arms. I agree. He, if I'm Mike Zimmer and company. Yep, I'm with you on I that. I mean, it took, the Vikings held him in check in Carolina. I know Carolina won that game. It took a 62-yard run at the end for uh, for Cam Newton to finally break out and have a big Carolina play. Carolina doesn't so. scare you. No, they shouldn't. They don't. They're, and they can still beat you, but sure. they shouldn't scare you but, as much as the other teams.
2: But the Rams, the the one thing with, with, with the Rams that I'd be curious to see is, because I, I think it was uh, subsequent to the game played here, that we learned that McVay was basically calling in the plays late. So McVay would survey the defense and call plays into Goff. And I think with, what the Vikings did really well was they adjusted their defense late. McVay would now change that. Um, but Jared Goff still might panic. Drew Brees won't panic.
0: Yeah, in that building. I mean, the ram- the Rams should not be taken lightly. We'll, we'll get into. Th- we're going to change our pecking order up today in like an hour, and we'll go deeper into this. Uh, also, all kinds of other Viking stuff. Matthew Collar is going to join us at nine fifteen uh, for for the rest of the hour. We can talk about the Pat Shermer reports that are out there. Three teams have already requested <laughs> to interview Pat Shermer yeah, this week. He's,
2: uh, he's going good- to be gone.
0: He might even be gone in the division because there's be two gone. teams in the division that want him. But yesterday, Ding.
1: They give Oklahoma the lead, here in the second overtime, and it's blocked! The field goal is blocked!
0: Sybert the junior, who has never had a field goal block in his career, has it blocked in the second overtime of the Rose Bowl.
1: On the 27, it's second down and 12. We go wild dog with Sony. Nauta goes in motion left, snapping to Michelle. He's running to dog. the left, angling, 25-20. Got a block from Brock, 50, 10, 5, touchdown,
0: touchdown, touchdown. <laughs> Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Ooh,
1: um, can't believe it's over. It's uh, been a wild ride.
0: <clears throat> uh, crying Baker Mayfield at the end of that was an unbelievable you, Rose Bowl. You boys would, would have been very proud because in, in the first part of
2: that game last night, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, where's the defense here? Like, they can't play deep defense. And then I decided, you know what, Judd? No, you're not going to complain. What you're going to do is you're going to sit down and you're going to relax and you're going to watch this game and you're going to have fun watching a game that is completely off the charts crazy. That was one of the greatest college and football
0: games in the history of college football. And your first instinct was my first to complain instinct, about it. My first instinct that is such was... such a classic my, fir-
2: my first half instinct was to say, this is not that good of football. Defensively, it's terrible. But I decided not to. I decided, you know what? This is a crazy enough game that I'm just going to sit down, shut up, relax, and enjoy it. And as a sports fan, as a sports fan, so without a stick in the games. I didn't care who won. It was great fun to watch.
0: I think what's weird is that the new year. E- even though the teams went over 100 combined points, there were some great defensive stops within a high-scoring game. It was the highest-scoring Rose Bowl of all time. Even as a standalone Rose Bowl game, it would have been historic and it would have been amazing. Um, it may have determined the national champion, but adding the playoff layer to the Rose Bowl factor mm-hmm. makes it so much better and it heightens everything. And it, and then you start to watch some of these other games, like Notre Dame, LSU was a decent game. It was close at the end. Uh, you had Michigan and North Carolina State, a couple teams that they had like a but sixteen you don't, team playoff, you don't really maybe. Care. Uh, yeah, but like the the playoffs make all these bowl Absolutely. games much less relevant. That's, so I came away yesterday, and then Central Florida beats Auburn, even pining for an eighteen playoff more than I would have going into this mm-hmm. season. So great as a standalone Rose Bowl, if that's what it was. Heightened even more by the fact that a championship berth is on the line. That was fantastic. So much fun.
2: 102 combined points, 1,058 combined yards. But I was, but as a sports fan, I'm telling you, I said to myself, "This is this because it resembled it, at times it, it it resembled to me like an, an arena league football game." Like it was just crazy. That first half was absolutely nuts. They kept going back and forth, and I'm like, someone's going to get a stop here. I know n- they're not, but that was as fun of college. That that game in itself is why guys like Scoggins love this sport. Because the equivalent in a National Football League game, I don't know, is, is as much fun. I mean, I've, I've always contended pro football wise that there's a lot of bad, bad games played. There were flaws in that
0: game, and you didn't care. You absolutely didn't care. I mean, it was, I mean, it's storylines, and I, also, too, if you add in, there's a couple other things, too. Ohio State, I think, would watch any of these games and say, yeah, so what? Like, we would, do you telling me we can't go toe-to-toe with, with these teams? Ohio State would stake a claim. Absolutely. After yesterday, Central Florida would say, listen, we went 12-0, and that apparently wasn't good enough to get us into the four-team playoff. So our prove-it game against Auburn... We run them and score 34 points, mm-hmm. and uh, and beat one of the best teams in the country because Auburn would have staked claim to being in an eighteen team playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, ah, man, with 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 it, that semifinal game yesterday, the first one, and then with some of the teams on the outside looking in, proving themselves, Wisconsin showed you. How listen, about, how if you about that? Toe to toe with the a Orange Georgia. Bowl.
2: Wisconsin, I. I was watching that game with a friend of mine who went there, and I think it was was it fourteen to three at one point. Miami led that game on Saturday night, and I said, "You guys are going to get blown out. You had no business being in the playoff." And they start coming back, and
0: I'm like, "Wow!" The best clip from that game was Paul Crist on the sidelines at one point trying yes. to cover his mouth. He goes, "Turnover chain, my bleeping bleep." That was that was. He fun. tried to cover his mouth over the bleep, the first bleeping thing, like and-
2: like Mister Subdued, r- relaxed, but. They've got to go, so so they'll get to eight teams by when? I think this is locked in through like 2000. Is it 2021, 2022, or something yeah, like it's, that? Four it's a teams, while. but you got to get to eight teams. Eight teams will, will be great fun, and the sooner we can get rid of more of these mm-hmm. meaningless pity bowl games, the better. Just start stacking it up with these What was games. the I'm dumb question?
0: The Miami Wisconsin game. That what bowl was that? Orange bowl. The Orange bowl. The Orange bowl. Yeah, yeah. But see, like the Orange bowl. Was such a huge name bowl game for so many years, right? It was one of the you know, one of the four big bowl games. Mm-hmm. And if it's not part of the semifinal, but yep. it's two teams in the top ten, it's such a buzzkill. Because okay, Wisconsin beat Miami, and it's great for Wisconsin. But but if that game now pits Wisconsin against Georgia mm-hmm. or Wisconsin against Alabama, and if that game was played at Camp Randall, which is what if it's an 18 team playoff, I think you'd get first round home games. And then maybe you'd go oh, to you? neutral sites for the semifinal. You could, I'm saying. Yeah. Because you could give you could give home field advantage to the you know the the one through four seeds in that 18 playoff. I mean, there's so many possibilities. Here's, here's and yesterday my, was a ton of fun. Here's
2: my dream. Blow up as many of these bowl games as possible and award the bowl games the the playoffs, and I think it would be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So you know, you could still do 18 playoff and then you could well, you could even set up like a 16-team NIT, but now you're talking about four extra games. Yeah. Then you can keep some of these other bowl Let's go games. to teams for now. So super fun. Uh, we are jam-packed. We're back. 2018. Um, Matthew Collar's is going to join us for the next three segments talking Vikings. Let's start off with all the Pat Shermer rumors and reports that came out yesterday. Lions, Bears, Cardinals. How realistic is it that the Vikings' ace offensive coordinator could be gone here I mean, he'll coach the Vikings. All He's not going to leave like a college football coach. Correct. He might, but he might get a head coaching job and then coach out the rest of the season. Uh, and that could happen pretty fast here. Kevin Seifert at 1130. And also, we'll dive into this Miguel Sono story that came out uh, while we were all on break over the holidays. We'll definitely dive into that in the 10 o'clock hour. Mackie and Judd. Oh, and when we come back, Packer Ventline, baby. Mackie and Judd are back.
1: The emperor
0: does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. Fire! On
1: 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Metafast. Go, Matt, go! It was a season that started
0: off with a lot of hope. And then Aaron Rodgers went down and it's been craptastic ever since.
1: Go! Aaron Rodgers, I know he wants to play for a long time, but let's be realistic and think okay, I don't think that's going to happen. He's got probably three years left, I bet. And you don't know how that shoulder's going to hold up. So this year's draft is really important. So you're going to probably have to get a quarterback somewhere in this draft. And I would look probably to the belt bowl, one of those two quarterbacks, that belt bowl. That was a good game. <laughs> <laughs> go,
0: Pat, go. I agree. I mean, I think. I think the Packers. Who was looked in, at the
1: Belk Bowl? Who Pretty much any year Belk you
0: can
2: bowl. look at the Belk Bowl. Collar. who is in the Belk Bowl? Can you tell us that? You watch every one of these meaningless bowl games.
1: Uh, I think the Belk Bowl was the one that ended up fifty-five to fifty-two. Wow! So, you know, now you wow. watched every game. But but who was playing? <laughs> I don't remember. I watched so many bowl games that it's hard to say. Oh wow, wow. that's, that's a buzz. Yeah. But the, but that one it's incorrect. But, but it was he got the score right. though. Well, yeah, he didn't get the teams. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't, I don't know. How do you yeah, get that, the score right, but not one of the teams? But that's my favorite part of the bowl games is that I don't have to care or ever think about it ever again. Or are you playing dumb
0: <laughs> to not look like a huge nerd right now? No, no, no. Oh, I, no, he's not. I no. totally
1: embrace that. I nerd. just can't remember which no, I'm just team No, i playing dumb. Knows. like I don't know who played. It. Oh, Actually, like, it was these proud of it. Like, He's proud of He's yeah. proud.
2: He's proud of the fact that you go, that you went home for the last two and a half weeks, yes. and sat down and watched every bowl game possible. And
1: any bowl game that was on, if I had time, I was watching. The one, the Belk Bowl was on when I was just having lunch with someone. I kept looking up, and every time there was a new score, that's what I, how I remember it. But I, th- that's the best part. Is it's well, just that like that
0: dedication. But right it's there. just like you the, get the all twenty-two of all these games too, and then go back and watch again.
1: Actually, yes, he does. So, yeah. so uh, last night they exactly. were uh, running the all twenty-two camera angles that you could go look at, and what you saw was Alabama's cornerbacks did not allow Clemson's wide receivers to get off the line of scrimmage. They basically said, "We're going to just push you right in the chest and not let you go anywhere," and then our pass rush is going to get the cornerback.
0: Yeah, apparently Gary Patterson was was a star last night. They had all the coaches probably the same channel, right? The all twenty-two. And Gary Patterson from TCU was uh, was wowing everyone with his analysis.
1: I think it's a great idea. I mean, to I don't know how many people watched it, but to have coaches sit around and just talk about the game at, at such a high level while they're watching the game tape angle, I mean, it's it's super nerdy. I no, I get I'm with that, you. I think that's think really I, interesting. So I, think it's way point, more I love your passion. Towards well, it. ESPN's well
0: Turner can do this too, I guess. Where you can stack it. There's a big game. You can stack it with multiple channels with different commentaries or whatever you want to put right. Well, at some point, when all of us have connected TVs and we're not watching, you know, for the, it's, we have Comcast channel 864 is the HD ESPN. At some point, it'll just be watch ESPN and you can, they can have unlimited platforms if they want, mm-hmm. or NBC, watch Sunday Night Football. You want the basic. Uh, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, or maybe you get a deeper dive or a different angle or something. I think we're headed that direction the next five or ten uh, years.
1: And I think as people understand these things better, the football they know goes beyond just what John Madden would tell them. I mean, even when I was growing up, you, it was you, if you wanted to learn more about football, you had to buy books mm-hmm. as opposed to just going on the Internet and learning about route combinations if you want to. Tell me so, Tony
0: Siragusa wasn't going to tell you. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
1: So, but but I learned a bunch just from John Madden and Pat Summerall every week. But now, you know, everybody knows all the stuff that they told you back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. So you you want more than that. And if Kirk Herbstreit brings up momentum one more time, I'm just going to jump out Here, the window. He said
0: physicality about nine times in you know, three minutes my to start thing, that though, game yesterday. Uh, on the coach's channel, let's stop
2: trying to split the screen into, like, threes. I don't need to see the, the coaches who are talking. Like, yeah. they showed them continually— show me as much of the of the camera angle that you're going to give me as possible and i can digest the dialogue like i don't care who's talking so i don't need to see them talking because I, I tried to go to that channel like three times, and the thing that drove me crazy was it was split into, I think, threes. Yeah. And so it's like, no, no, give give me give me the angle that, that you're going to give me. Give me their conversation. I don't actually need to physically see them talking at a table. See,
0: I disagree. I just want John Madden, wherever he is, on a bus somewhere, just eating a turducken silently for three hours. <laughs>
2: well, you could like, have that's that That's what I want too. on my split that's screen. Fine.
0: Just, like, silence. Uh,
2: the the Belk Bowl, Wake Forest 55, oh, Texas Wake A&M Forest, yeah. 52. Wow. So the Packers' next quarterback should come. From either the Demon Deacons or, <laughs> the, or the Aggies. 100%. Uh, you
1: know, with uh, the quarterback situation, it's really amazing how a year can change things because it was, oh, this next class is going to be unbelievable. You, you, these guys are going to get drafted uh, one, two, three, four, five, right? And then Sam Darnold does not have a very good season, throws a ton of bad interceptions. Now, some people say he should stay. Josh Rosen had some issues. There's questions about his personality. He had a concussion, too, at the end. Uh, He threw probably more picks than he should have as well, or bad throws than he should have. And, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson had the poor bowl game, even though I think he belongs toward the top of the list for his talent. And then uh, Baker Mayfield last night, going against a really good defense, did not show up like a lot of people expected him to.
0: Yeah, Baker Mayfield's really interesting. I, I... Um, there's a lot of Johnny Manziel comparisons because personality and scrambling, he's thicker than Manziel. I think he's a lot more accurate than Manziel. Um, I don't think he's rolling up $20 bills and starting Hmm. Coke in bathrooms
1: like Johnny Manziel. That's what I was going to say is I think Manziel is an NFL quarterback. I mean, I I think he had the arm. I think he had the pocket presence, uh, the athleticism, all those things. He was a little light and looked like he could get hurt if he got hit too many times. But I don't think it was talent that brought him down. I think it was cocaine I think it was just if you can't stop doing cocaine and so you can't show up to practice (laughs) It might be a bit of a problem yeah that's a maturity issue then yeah if you can't stop doing because he had a couple of games (laughs) a a couple of appearances where he made real NFL throws and he escaped the pocket at times and he showed some serious talent but then he just completely tore his own life apart. It's kind of like with Jamarcus Russell with the purple drink or whatever. There was a drink little, we call it. There was a little bit of a flash of time where Russell looked like you know, hey, I might be coming along a little bit, and then just wouldn't stop partying. And like when, he was
0: eating like full bags of Cool he, Ranch Doritos he, in the locker room too. With he the weighed like
1: three twenty. There's nothing wrong with eating a lot of Doritos. Okay, Uh, there's not, unless (laughs) you
2: you so desire to play quarterback in the National Football League, in which case you should probably
1: lay off the Doritos. Baker Mayfield is really interesting to me because uh, I think that he's so confident that it would take a lot to shake him, but at the same time, the thing against Kansas would concern me. Like, Kansas got into your head to the point where you nationally embarrassed yourself. That really kind of worries me. The height isn't so much, but it's... You know, it's a lot of throwing to wide open wide receivers when he would play. And, you know, tons of weapons. You saw that from their running back. Just uh, The games that I saw him put up big points, it was a lot of spread it out, throw into the zone, somebody's open, and if you make a good enough throw, you get huge yards. And then when it was a real defense with a good secondary last night, he had some good moments, but a lot more bad moments, especially... Uh, When he would get pressured and things like that, I I think he had trouble dealing with it. So I'm not sure that I would have him as being one of the top quarterbacks. And so he kind of leaves you with, well, do you take a little bit of a risk on Darnold, even though he's got a way to go? Yeah, but we saw him. Right. But the thing, so
0: this is, I think it's kind of it's dangerous to make these full assumptions. But if Baker Mayfield was a little more boring personality-wise, I would actually feel more confident. I don't like the emotional yep. roller coaster yep. that he rides because that doesn't work in the NFL yep. traditionally. How many quarterbacks in the NFL now? And don't tell me, well, Tom Brady gets fired up on the sidelines. Tom yep. Brady is a robot. These guys aren't crying at the podium. Or I mean, I, I want someone who's going to go in and be mostly boring all week long, and then maybe show some flashes of personality if they throw a touchdown pass or something. Um, there's a little bit too much. Emotional roller coaster there with Baker Mayfield.
1: At, at least at first. I mean, once you're Aaron Rodgers and you've won a Super Bowl, then you could start— okay, title belt celebration Right, you now, could right. discount, double-check, whoever the hell you want. <laughs> right. And the same thing with Brady, where very early in his career it was by the book. And then, you know, you win the Super Bowls and you're like, I'm just going to give the middle finger to everybody and I'm going to tell you what to do on the sideline and things like that. <laughs> I I worry about the the rattled part of it because if there is any weakness that you have, it will get exposed by other teams. They will find a way to take advantage of it. And if your weakness is uh, you're the guy who gets overly fired up or gets rattled by trash talk or whatever it might be, then you know the teams are going to entirely take advantage of that. And I think that the height could be a little bit of an issue because I don't see him as having a laser beam. Like, Russell Wilson has a laser beam. Or Drew Brees is the most accurate quarterback maybe ever. And, you know, it's like if you're a short hockey player, where, yeah, you could succeed if you're Matt Zuccarello or you're Jared Spurgeon. Right. But, you know, what you have to be is like an elite skater or in just incredibly yeah. tough. You've got to overcompensate for those other things. Steph Curry's
0: an example, too. Very small. Exactly. Is he going to work frame-wise? doesn't matter. He can shoot from 30. Exactly. So, yeah. You've got to
1: be the best shooter. And I'm not sure that he has any tools that put him over the top like that. So, if you're
2: Cleveland, do you do you continue to go down the path of trying to draft a quarterback? Or are you at the point now where, where you say, you know what, what? just wildcat formation? You know for? what? Bleep it, we're we're going to sign a guy, at least for the short term. Because I look at this draft again, and it's this whole thing of well, I think this guy might be good, but I really don't know. And 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 I don't I don't think that our philosophies or thoughts about QBs are that far from lots of teams.
0: Should yeah. they do like, both? I mean, couldn't they in theory, and I'm not saying they're gonna do this, couldn't they sign Case Keenum to like a front-loaded two-year contract? And then also draft with one of their two top five picks, a Sam Darnold or whoever they think is the best of the bunch. I mean, and then you have enough cap room to do that. And then by the time your quarterback is ready in a year or two, now you can say goodbye there. to your Case Keenum. Or if Case Keenum's awesome. You can make a trade, kind of like the Philip Rivers-Drew Brees situation from 15 years ago.
1: I think that's exactly what I would do, because I, I think the supporting cast in Cleveland isn't really that bad, save for a couple wide receivers. They had no wide receivers. When you signed Kenny Britt, who's just a joke show— And you bring him in to be your number 1 wide receiver. You have no wide receivers. But if Joe Thomas comes back and doesn't retire, then you have a really good offensive line. You've got two good running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield and some defensive players that you've been drafting over a couple of years here that could be serviceable. And we saw even when the Vikings played Cleveland, it's not like they have nobody on defense. They have some guys that Mm -hmm. pressured the quarterback and made plays. You are a quarterback away from at least being competitive for the first time. But I think if you draft Sam Darnold, that he's one that needs to sit for a while Even if it's which would be fine if you could be
2: committed to doing it. Yeah, yeah. Like if you say that, that's fine. But don't don't say that that you're going to do it and then play him a month into the season.
1: But even even with that, I think even giving a guy a month. John Fox talked about this when we asked him about um, Mitch Trubisky. That he talked about seeing him be able to really prepare for real games but not have the pressure, even though it was for just a couple games, he thought that it really helped Mitch Trubisky to just see how it's done in the NFL. So even if they did that, even if they just, even if they brought back Josh McCown or something, who had a pretty good year for the Jets, and they said, okay, you're going to be guaranteed at least to start the first couple games and then we'll see, and then they could decide whether Sam Darnold was ready or not. I think he is a guy that's going to need a little more time than that. The, the risk, if you take Josh Rosen, is that Josh Rosen might tell you, sorry, I'm playing for the Giants or I'm playing for nobody. And then what Then what are you supposed to do? And then you got to trade him and try to work something out there, but you're not getting the top quarterback. And I have a feeling that Rosen wants to play for the Giants if he's going to go at the top of the draft. That is a little bit of a tricky situation, but I, I think that's the way to handle it. If you could get someone like Case Keenum or someone like Josh McCown who will at least get you to win some games and get rid of this just – nightmare that you've had there for the last couple of years Mm -hmm. and and draft a guy at the top. But it is amazing how things can change in a snap with how we feel about the next quarterback class from one year to the next.
0: Matthew Kyler hanging out with us from the Purple Podcast 1500ESPN.com Let's come back. Let's talk Vikings specifically and Pat Shermer. Right now there's three teams that have reportedly reached out to ask for permission uh, to sit down with Pat Shermer. Lions, Bears, Cardinals... Could he wind up with one of those teams? Should he wind up with one of those teams? Let's talk about that when we come back. Here it's Mackie and Judd. Go,
1: Matt,
2: Go. Here's what I saw: I saw two teams with really nothing to play for, but I saw one team playing inspired football and one team just playing like absolute garbage. And to me, that goes square on the uh, on the coaches. And I, I was a McCarthy supporter all the way up till now. Now I'm thinking, you know what? This, if, if anything happens to him, this is the one game that proves it's time for Mike to move on, too.
1: Go, Matt, go! Phil Mackey.
0: This guy is absolutely elite. It's kind of like you're looking at your brother.
1: I didn't know who had more energy.
0: Judd Zulgad. I even hesitate to disagree with him because he's so knowledgeable and he knows way more than I ever will. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
1: It was a season that started off with a lot of hope. And then Aaron Rodgers went
0: down, and it's been craptastic ever since. Go Matt! Go! Steve, how you doing? Hey, Steve. Or, hey, Bill. You're Steve. on the way. I I, I am Steve. Bill Michaels, man. Hi, I'm Steve. Doing God's work out there in Milwaukee, the fan in Milwaukee. Can, yeah, you he say, loves it.
1: can you say craptastic? Was that on TV?
0: No, uh, no it's, uh, that's the fan in Milwaukee. That's oh. the Green and Gold Postgame it, so,
1: it just sounded like, uh, it sounded like the CBS music. Oh, yeah, I, I think so, they bump in with that. I oh, think they come, so, okay. the so oh, they come in with the CBS music. So they come in with it. It, but it's okay. just a, a it was a season yeah, that started off with a lot of hope. And then Aaron Rodgers went down, and it's been craptastic ever since. I just I just didn't know if that was like the 14th level broadcast crew that they threw out there. That's right. That was actually
0: Jim Nance. Yeah, that was.
2: Yeah. And then your former GM now made one small small mistake when he put Aaron back on IR for a second time, technically meaning that he would have to be released. I hope
0: that happens. But I hope the league investigates that, that and then he's on the street and becomes the Vikings. I think quarterback that was strike three. Year. I really
2: do. I think that was strike. I think that was the one where they're yeah. like Ted. You won't sign, guys. But attention to detail for once in your life, Ted.
0: Well, let's we'll dive into the Ted Thompson stuff later. Pat Shermer has uh, been reached out to by the Lions, Bears, and Cardinals. Well, uh, let's go on this.
1: Great animals, they really are. If you're going to yes. rank
0: those animals based on mm. which one would win in a fight, who should Pat Shermer coach next season? Well,
1: I mean, you know, the Cardinal would be hard to catch for either of the two land animals. It's a little
0: finesse, though. You know, if you get into those sort of you yeah. know those cold weather battles, it might be tough I mean, to. stay I mean, up if you think
1: air. about, it, if you're a bear. You're very powerful and aggressive, but if a cardinal came and pecked your eyeball, what do you, you going to do? What do you have to defend against that?
0: Yeah, you're not going to be nothing. Able to see. It's true. Nothing. It's a good point.
1: Um, I think the best situation out of all of those is probably the Lions, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, they've got the quarterback, but the quarterback has paid a lot of money. Like, I mean, this year Matthew Stafford was good. They were in the top ten in scoring. He set career highs in a couple of different categories. I think his quarterback rating was as high as it's ever been, his completion percentage, all those things. So, I mean, I think they've got a really good, actually, offensive system for him. They could use a running game. They don't have any sort of running game at all, they rely entirely on him. But Marvin Jones is a tremendous wide receiver. I think he's even put himself up in that top category. And Golden Tate. So you've got these weapons. You add a little bit of a running game. They fix the offensive line there for the most part, as long as it's healthy. I mean, that's a that's a really good start to add a couple of pieces on defense and be legitimately competitive next year. That it depends on what you want if you're Pat Shermer, though, because Jim Bob Cooter has done such a nice job with that offense. Like, if you're Pat Shermer, why would you want to go in and change and it sta- all around? And
2: Stafford wants him to stay too.
1: Right. Well, of so, course he does. He's had a resurgence
2: right, in right. his but, career. But yeah. if he stays, if you're if you're Shermer and Jim Bob Cooter stays, do you do you want to go into a place where your expertise is offense? And Stafford says, I like this guy's offense. Do you want to go to Chicago where it's Trubisky, who you can help develop, mm-hmm. which to me would be really attractive? Unless unless he can't play, or to well, but you have seen him twice now, so you you've probably made a play. decision on that. Yeah. Or the third one is. Do you want to go to a uh, potentially blank canvas in Arizona where you could probably draft somebody and also sign someone, let's say, off the open market by the yeah. name of Case Keenum?
1: Yeah. Have I the mean, Colts showed interest? Because that I could be an interesting one, there's too. There's
2: been no, no uh, report of a request from I, them yet. I don't
1: think yet, but I think the Colts would be perfect. I mean, if they were able to stack up their weapons a little bit more and offensive line and all that for— Pat Shermer to work with Andrew Luck if Andrew Luck is coming back, and if I were Shermer, that's the job that I would want. That'd be at the number one. I know that Ursay has Johnny Manziel's problem, and he's been a complete nut the entire time he's on that team. Still, uh, Peyton Manning did just fine under those circumstances, and if I'm going to take a head coaching job, I'm going to take the franchise quarterback. Who, if you think about it, with the AFC. There's only so many more years left of Roethlisberger. There's only so many years left of Brady. Mm-hmm. Then who's the next best quarterback? You would have him. Andrew Luck. I mean, Philip Rivers is going to be out too, and he's been a good quarterback for a long time in the AFC. I think you would end up having the best quarterback in the AFC and in the driver's seat to run roughshod over a lot of the mediocre quarterbacks that teams have built their teams around right now. it but that I don't know if the Colts are going to show interest in Shermer. His offensive system I think would be amazing for Andrew Luck. Lots of short stuff but then make those big time throws when you need to. Uh, Arizona's it an interesting too, which helps. Yes, yes. So like he he wouldn't come
2: in. The thing the thing that he's done that Zimmer and and Schirmer both do so well is the willingness to adjust their systems. Yeah. That is enormous yep. to me. Because this is a league where a lot of guys don't like to adjust their yeah, system.
0: Yeah, this is also, it's also an instance. If you're a Vikings fan here, I mean, it's the the blossoming of this offense with a lot of mediocre to backup quarterbacks. Historically, it's you know, Pat Shermer has been a huge asset to the organization. You're almost rooting for. I mean, you're you're for sure rooting for 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 these interviews to go poorly that he just walks in and like stumbles all over himself. Um, but it's almost a certainty if three teams are already reaching out and maybe another one or two here in the coming days. He's probably gone. How much of a loss is that? You don't just replace a guy who's been able to create this the last four or five months.
1: The only thing that's working against Pat Shurmur is he is not a monorail salesman. I mean, he is a very dry guy to talk to. Um, he's, he's not one of those, like yeah, football, I'm good, you know, elite, those sort of things. He's, he's just, not Dan he's, Campbell. Yeah, right. Where Dan Campbell
0: interviews for three hours, he just flexes a barbed wire bicep tattoo and doesn't say anything.
1: <laughs> or, or, But he's not. he's not a hype machine guy either. He's not a, we're going to come in and change the culture. You know, I mean, I could see an interview with him going like, well, I've used these West Coast concepts, like, you know, just getting on the whiteboard or something instead because he's not that type of guy, which may turn off some of these teams if they're, if they're looking for that sort of thing. Um how much of a loss is it? Is it? Uh look at the Oakland Raiders. I mean, the Oakland Raiders decide to move on from their offensive coordinator. Bad plan. The offensive coordinator comes in after him and the offense goes all the way down and even the Atlanta Falcons. They lose their offensive coordinator to the San Francisco 49ers, who will be good next year. Yes. And Kyle Shanahan is a genius mm-hmm. and offensive, in, in, incre- yeah. incredible offensive mind mm-hmm. and Matt Ryan goes from being literally the best quarterback in a single season ever to, well, yeah, he's still pretty good. He's still a very good quarterback under Steve Sarkeesian. But the the drop-off there with the same team, basically, it's not like they lost Julio Jones for the year. They still had all their weapons, and yet they didn't find ways to utilize them under a new offensive coordinator. But when you have that guy, you really want to keep him. But if Pat Schirmer wants to go, it seems like there's going to be enough openings where he's just going to go.
2: The whole rah-rah thing, though, to, to me is tiresome. <laughs> Zimmer, to me, uh, helps Schirmer's cause in this sense. Zimmer didn't get a job previously because of why. He would basically go and talk to teams and say, here's my plan. And this is my plan, and I am who, who I, I am, and I'm not going. I'm not going to try and sell you on the fact that I'm going to morph into a different personality if I'm the coach of this team. And a lot of teams said, uh-uh, no, 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 you're not right for our team. The Vikings finally said, we'll hire you. I think that helps Shermer in the sense mm-hmm. that he can go in and he can be blah, but all you have to do is look at what he's done here. And, I mean, look at this offense. Look at look at the fact that he spent the entire summer, basically, working on a plan for Bradford. And that plan in week one was brilliant, worked perfectly. And Bradford, after that, is essentially done. And he takes Keenum. Mm-hmm. He takes Cook getting hurt. If you look at the amount of changes that he's had to make and adjustments, it's really impressive. So, so the raw, raw thing is college-like to me. But if you can actually sit down and, and intelligently say, this guy, as far as a pro-style offense and team, makes sense, I think he gets a job for sure. The,
1: the two areas where I'm just really blown away by what he's done this year are how they designed the offensive line, how they picked it, and getting rid of Alex Boone and eating some money. I imagine Pat Shurmur was at the very top of that decision. And what they've done with that offensive line, when Easton and Elfline were in, using those two, their athleticism, their mobility to get out there on screens and make plays at the second level, he designs plays specifically around the fact that he has these two guys. And I was laughing out loud at my computer watching the tape on a play that Stephon Diggs had a 37-yard play on a on like a 5-yard hitch or maybe it was a little screen pass and Pat Elfline is running right next to him down the field. It's just like how many centers in the NFL can do that? But also, are their coaches letting them do that? Are they asking them to do that? And that's what he he's done uh, for number 1 and just uh, you know, finding ways to use Adam Thielen all over the field, not just on the outside in the slot. He's taken about half of his snaps in the slot. That's not something you would expect from Adam Thielen because he's of his size. You think, okay, the bigger wide receivers, they go outside and you run down the sideline. And and Diggs, he looks much more like he is a, a slot type of guy because he's a little more slight. But Diggs is so good against press coverage, they've stuck him outside more often and Thielen inside and it's been amazing for Thielen. He's smart. He can read defenses. He finds holes in the zones. And it's made for a ton of easy, big gains. For Case Keenum. And that was Shermer's idea from last year to this year that Thielen's usage in the slot has basically doubled. So there's stuff that you could put your hands on and say, this is exactly where he made this team better. And you do worry about a new guy coming in and potentially changing all that. Yeah, I don't mean
0: to be an alarmist here, but for all the reasons you just mentioned, if, if Pat Shermer takes a head coaching job somewhere else, Case Keenum's contract is up, the circumstances are going to change if Pat Shermer's gone. This is. It's not that your window is going to close in terms of being competitive going forward, mm-hmm. but this is such a wide window, and the circumstances are so perfect with this defense, the best defense in this franchise since probably nineteen early 70s, uh, going back two generations. Cash in now. If you're this team, you have to cash in right now. You're not guaranteed to have similar circumstances. It's not like you have mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is coming back, and it doesn't really matter if the, the other pieces are flawed um, this this might not all still be together one year from now.
1: yeah. the uh funny thing about this season is that the team will be painted as look at all they overcame because Sam Bradford went down. uh and and yeah, I, I get that. It's not exactly like Sam Bradford was Aaron Rodgers, and it's not exactly like Case Keenum was Tom Savage. They were probably much closer to each other than their draft statuses suggested, right? Both had been starters that had failed in other places and had more success here in Minnesota. So it'll be it'll be painted that way, though. That This is incredible. But on the defensive side, every single thing that could have gone wrong did not go wrong. Trey Wayans was very, very good. Terrence Newman kept playing great at age 39. Tom Johnson and the three-technique defensive tackle learned to stuff the run at age 32. I mean, nobody got hurt. They missed Anderson Dejo for three games, Everson Griffin for one game, end. That's, that's a, all of your injuries. That's the remarkable thing. I, I feel like I've never seen a te- in one of those three games for Sandejo's a suspension. Yeah. I feel like I've never seen a team go through a whole season like this and have zero players get hurt.
0: Yeah. In fact, okay, that's a good segue. This defense profiles. We think of some of these the last ten years in the NFL, and you think, wow man, the Vikings. They're going to have to model themselves after this team from a couple years ago, and that team, they profile better than some of the teams you might be thinking of. Matthew Collar hanging out with us. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Show me what you got.
1: On 1500 ESPN. Still a chance to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV. You gotta get yourself to Shamrocks in St. Paul from 6 to 8. On Monday, the 8th, you can join rookie there for the Ultimate College Football Viewing Party with Dosecis. Enjoy an ice cold one and register to win that brand new TV. Put game day over everything, all college football season with Dosekis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. Of course, Monday being the championship
0: game. More details: fifteen hundred ESPN Keyword: events. Let's just be honest, man. It, it it doesn't matter if we don't finish this thing out. You know, we'll, you know, we set a record for third down defense. We're number one scoring defense, everything like that. But if we don't finish this goal out, I mean, that memory is going to be gone pretty quick. Yeah, Brian Robinson, actually, the only leftover player from that two thousand nine NFC Championship game Absolutely. team, uh, which is eight years ago now. So we just witnessed statistically compared to the rest of the league, the greatest Vikings defense since the Purple People Eaters of the early to mid-1970s. I would take that a step further and say that the Vikings have a better defensive profile and a better defensive resume than some of the prominent recent Super Bowl winners that leaned on defense. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking about Matthew Collars with us here from the Purple Podcast, 1500 ESPN.com. I'm talking about the 2015 Broncos and the 2013 Seahawks. So this Vikings defense, number one in scoring, number one in yards per play allowed, tied with the Jaguars at 4.6 yards per play allowed, number two against opposing quarterbacks, passer rating against, number one third down, and that's that's a historical mark. Uh, they're also excellent in the red zone. I believe they're third in touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone. The 2015 Broncos, which won a Super Bowl with like a duct-taped up Peyton Manning, who was just sort of standing back there throwing end-over-end passes (laughs) to Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. That was a great defense. It was top five in all these major categories. Not nearly as good in the red zone or third down as this Vikings defense. How about the 2013 Seahawks? They were number one in yardage and points, just like this Vikings team, but they weren't nearly as good on third down. In fact, this Vikings team is 10% better on third down. Best of all time, The right? Nets, Seahawks. Best since they tracked it in 1991, okay. yes. So, yeah. so if you stack up, those are the teams you think of in the last, you know, whatever, eight to ten years. Best defenses to win a Super Bowl. Oh, 13 Seahawks, 15 Broncos. This Vikings resume stacks up very closely, if not better, to those two teams.
1: The one thing that they don't do as well as some of the— history- <clears throat> excuse me, some of the historically great defenses, they don't take the ball away. They don't get um, opposing
0: teams to cough the ball up. Yes,
1: that's right. Yeah, a good one. Quick change, uh, we like to call it. Sudden change. Yes, Yeah, yeah. They, they don't have a whole lot of turnovers. Uh, and turnovers are down in general. I went back and looked at the uh, 2000 Ravens. They had 49 oh, turnovers absurd. in the season. That's 30 more than the Vikings this yeah. year. They for- <laughs> I think they forced like
0: 33 interceptions or yeah. something like an average yeah. of over two per game.
1: And even uh, Judd and I were talking about this on, I think, Saturday, how the 1988 Vikings kind of look like this Vikings team where Wade Wilson had to come in as the backup quarterback and they had a number one defense and they had something like 34 picks. I mean, it's just back in the day, quarterbacks were just throwing it to the other team constantly. And uh, that, that doesn't happen so much anymore, but I think they're 20th in the NFL in takeaways. So that's the only thing that I would say is short for them to the historically great defenses, but everything else is fantastic. Uh, They aren't number 1 in adjusted net yards per attempt, which is a really great statistic that factors in sacks, interceptions, and uh, yards per attempt passing. So the Jaguars are maybe a slightly better passing defense, but everything looks on paper like this defense should be able to carry a team to the Super Bowl And uh, the thing that really stands out to me is, yes, you demolished Andy Dalton and Mitch Trubisky and Brett Hundley, but you also really took care of business against the good quarterbacks that you played, too. I mean, Cam Newton had the big run, did not have a great overall game Mm -hmm. against the Vikings. Jared Goff really struggled against the Vikings. I mean, you saw most of the quarterbacks they've faced. Matt Ryan had a really tough time uh, against the Vikings' defense. So they've not only... Uh, Beaten down the guys they were supposed to beat down and smash their face in, but they've also really slowed down great offenses when they face them. What would uh, concern you most about
2: Breeze? Where where would be the the one area? So if if you got a veteran a quarterback who wasn't intimidated by the noise here. Who came here and played in a uh, playoff game? What would be the
1: one area about Breeze that would scare you the most? He's one of potentially. The, he's scared. just one of the best ever. I mean, <laughs> anytime you, you have to pick just one, yeah, one of the greatest yeah, quarterbacks ever. Like, yeah, what, what scares like, me is that what he, could
2: be exploited. What scares me is that, it, that he's got. I'm not sure that I I, I know that.
0: Like when I
2: look at this defense, yes, what could what could Drew Brees, what could Sean Payton and Drew Brees possibly exploit with this defense that hasn't been tapped into so far?
1: I don't think there's anything that they can exploit with this defense when it's fully healthy. They are unstoppable. You watch other teams; they look like they want to cry. Like just. What? Who are we supposed to throw it to? Like, no no one is open. I'm getting pressured. We can't run. Like, let me try to dump it off to the running back. Oh, wait, Eric Kendricks ran him down, or Anthony Barr. Let's throw a Trey Waynes. That doesn't work. Right. That doesn't work, and then Trey Waynes will tackle a guy if he does give up a catch because he's become a good tackler. What scares you about Drew Brees is that might not matter. You might have everyone covered. Xavier Rhodes might cover a dude as good as you can ever cover a dude and Drew Brees will just say, yeah, well, I'm just going to bend time and earth and drop it in perfectly to my wide receiver or Elvin Kamara looks to me like young LaShawn McCoy, where the guy is just impossible to tackle. So dropping it off to him might instead of resulting in, you know, a 5-yard gain or something as it has for most running backs, he might turn that into a 30-yard gain yeah. because he's one of the <clears throat> excuse me, one of the most exciting young players in the NFL. And that that's where it would concern me is when you have guys that make unstoppably great throws And then you have not only just one playmaker, but multiple and a good offensive line for the Saints. They're the most complete team, I think.
0: Well, I I would say uh, to to answer Judd's question, there's an interesting blueprint as we compare this Vikings defense to the 13 Seahawks, the 15 Broncos, the 14 Seahawks, which if they would have just handed the ball off to one of the best running backs of this generation, they would have won back to back Super Bowls. Instead, the Patriots won that game. So the Patriots were world champions. Against a great defense by throwing the ball 50 times, mostly short and intermediate range. Remember that game? It was death by paper cuts Mm -hmm. offensively for the Patriots. Tom Brady was 37 of 50 for 328 yards. So it wasn't like he went for crazy amounts of yardage. Um, He did throw two interceptions in that game as well. And it was eleven receptions for Shane Vereen out of the backfield. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, so if yeah. you're Drew Brees and the Saints coming into US Bank Stadium, mm-hmm. I almost think you take a death by paper cuts approach and say, listen, if we're gonna win this game and we have the quarterback to be able to pull this off, yep. it has to be twelve and fourteen play drives, and we're gonna have to take three yards, five yards, third and five, third and six, third and four and convert on third down. That's the way that you would beat the Vikings' defense, especially at U.S. Bank Stadium, and Drew Brees would be the guy to pull that off.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the Vikings have allowed, I I mean, they're right at the top of the league in the fewest explosive plays given up, so just trying to launch it down the field doesn't work against them, especially when Harrison Smith plays over-the-top safety. Like, he is so smart and so instinctual. He knows where you're going with the ball before you throw it. It's just, if you're talking about that sort of approach, this team of the saints is so perfectly built for it. I mean, Mark Ingram is a guy that will catch the ball in the backfield too. So you can't even load up. Oh, okay. With this running back, they're going to run with this running back. They're going to pass. Well, you can't really even do that because he had something like 60 catches himself and Elvin Kamara had 80 and then averaged six yards of carry. I mean, those two guys make it, make it really dangerous. And You know, there is an art to the short passes. I mean, we kind of always just go, ah, well, you know, it's just short passes. Uh, Keith Keenum, I think, has been very good at that. It's one of the reasons for his success. Drew Brees is a master of this. I mean, just dumping off to a guy in the perfect spot where he's going to be able to catch it and run with it or is in in the right situation not to get hit. I mean, he's just so great with his execution, how he reads your defense, all those things. And having him seen... Mike Zimmer's defense already, I think that's a bigger help for him than it is for the Vikings to have seen the Saints, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. that giving Breeze that chance. And the other thing, too, is I think Jared Goff will still get affected by an insane crowd. I do not think Drew Brees will have that same sort of impact.
2: The Rams' first dry, uh, drive here on which they scored in the game that they lost, uh, their scoring drive was exactly that collar. They came in and they passed the ball short. They passed the ball short and it worked perfectly. So I think that's probably right because if you do that if you do that and maintain possession and extend the one thing that i don't think we've seen a lot this year is that is this viking defense have to be forced to be on the field a ton for a game too because mm-hmm. then the question yep. becomes could you if you did what phil is talking about if you went at them 5 yards here 9 yards here and all of a sudden you're extending their time on the field could you wear them yeah. down and for the
0: record that that tom brady performance which is that's that would be the blueprint to beat the vikings in the super bowl 50 pass attempts, the longest was 23 yards. Not in the air, the longest gain was 23 yards. That
1: that could be like that. And you know, it's uh, funny about, you mentioned the 15 Broncos where, I mean, Brady really should have beaten them, if not for a missed extra point by Steven Goskowski, who didn't miss one the whole year, something like that, and then he he shanks one, and that's why they ultimately have to, I think, go for two at the end of that game, and they end up losing. So even then, when Brady had no offensive line, and th- this is what scares you in the playoffs, Brady had no offensive line in, in that game, and and he's playing one of the greatest defenses ever, And yet still at the end of the game, he's right there with a chance to win it because he's just that great. And I think Drew Brees and Tom Brady go in that same category of, of greatness. And the the one thing you bring up, if you could run the ball against the Vikings, you generally can't, but if you could run the ball against the Vikings, I think any of these teams can beat them. If, they run the ball. But we haven't seen anyone run successfully the whole year against them. Yeah. The team's
0: just, just ramming into Linval Joseph like a bunch of idiots. I, I'll
1: just never understand that.
0: Yeah,
2: Because oh, th- it worked th- last th- year, th- and I'm not kidding you, because it worked yeah. for the Bears on Halloween yeah. of 2016, yeah. and luck. that's how teams are geared up to think.
0: Matthew Collar from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. Great stuff. Uh, go read his stuff. Check it out. Uh, We'll come back with a pecking order in about 20 minutes as it pertains to the Vikings. But let's dive into this Miguel Sano story and the allegations against him that came out during the uh, the holiday week. Mackie and John.